listening and subscribing to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, you've got a different background. I do. I am on the road working from a a remote location because guess what? I'm playing in a pickleball tournament. (laughs) (laughs) That that is not shocking. Uh, Not shocking at all. (laughs) which is what i do now right i play pickleball tournaments we do the third shot podcast uh we may be doing some live broadcasts from the actual tournament we got our diy uh podcast and then and then i run a business right yeah come on exactly right you're you're just all over the place these days literally now uh so you're um uh you're even working on a third shot podcast store like that's pretty cool too so you've got like all the swag over there we got to yeah. get some diy swag we got to make that happen right we could make that happen now that i have okay. the contacts that yeah really exactly. built out the entire <laughs> store branded all the merch uh doing the diy is going to be easy for us yeah yeah there you go okay so we'll, we'll we'll get you on that but but first focus on the pickleball man you, you, you got to get another medal you gotta add another medal <laughs> to the closet there i, I keep bringing those medals up but you keep getting them. So, you know, you're, you're, well, uh, you know what, what's really cool it. about the podcast is I have somebody that actually drove in from Colorado. The tournament here is in Vegas, drove in from Colorado, just a listener to the podcast and said, Hey, I want to partner with you, Uncle Greg, because that's so cool. my little handle on the, on the right. podcast side, on the, uh, the pickleball side. And he, he drove in last night. We got to practice together. So that was awesome. cool. And then we play in the tournament tomorrow. That's great. That's great. Well, I don't know what you say. Power of podcasting, right? Right. Exactly. So what do you say? Because like, you know, I mean, I I did the whole acting thing in high school. I didn't do the sports thing. I did the acting thing. So saying good luck was not saying, you know, was not good luck. It was break a leg, right? So what do I say to you? Do I say break a paddle? Do I say, (laughs) what what do I, what do you say? Uh, Do I say good luck? I, you know, one person told me you say paddle up. Ah, okay. I only, I've only heard that once, but somebody told me to say paddle up. So how I'm going to go with oh. that. Okay. All right. Well, it feels like I'm doing the third shot podcast because we also take shots over there and I was all out of focus there for a second. So uh, for those I thought on I was YouTube, my eye from the shots. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we don't do shots on this podcast, but we do have fantastic guests over on this podcast. And this Absolutely. is an interesting topic because, you know, in talking to entrepreneurs, one of the things that happens is maybe you don't always want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you want to take the skills that you've learned and apply them elsewhere or focus in. This is was me. I really, you know, first of all, you know, wanted to focus on the whole, you know, being a dad thing um, and, and make sure I had time for that. I was working events. I was working weekends. So I was not here so much of the time and missing out. Once the kids go to school, it's like, well, I got to be here at night. I got to be here on the weekend because that's when they're around. So, there was that, but then there was also like, do I really want to focus on finance and taxes and all of these other things <laughs> that like I don't enjoy? I want to focus on the things I enjoy. So I moved and, you know, got into marketing, got to meet Greg, uh, working with Greg for years. So that's, that's, there you go. Like it worked out. It was a huge win, but is it for everyone? And is it difficult maybe to make that transition? So we're talking about that today. And we are joined by Jake Waddingham, who wrote a fantastic article on the conversation uh, titled Entrepreneurs Beware, Owning Your Business Can Make It Harder to Get Hired 
later. Jake, thank you so much for joining us on uh, DIY for Business. Hi, Russ and Greg. Excited to be here. So tell us a little about your uh, yourself. I see the Texas State uh, logo on your shirt there. Tell us a little about what you do. Yes, so I am an assist assistant professor at Texas State University in the Department of Management, and I am entering my second year here with the Bobcats. Um, I teach strategic management, which is the strategic capstone for our seniors in the College of Business. And I work on a lot of research on CEOs, entrepreneurs, and really just kind of helping understand some of the processes they go through, like exit. Nice, nice. Yeah. So before we got on, I asked you the question off mic. Uh, you know, how do you enjoy being an assistant professor? And you told me it's a perfect fit for you. Tell me why. So it's a really good fit for multiple reasons. Um, before academia, uh, my background was in journalism and political science. And so I got started with talking and telling stories about people that lived near my hometown. Um, and so I really enjoyed that part of the process of just getting to hear what they were going to bring to the community, um, what they were really excited about. Any chance I could, I would jump in and help out the sports guys and, and cover those events and take those pictures. Nice. And cool. It was just a really great experience. Um, but with that part of the process and, and wanting to, you know, expand and explore other things that I could do, um, I had a friend that said, well, have you ever thought about a PhD in business? And I hadn't. So I went back and worked on my MBA, met some great colleagues at Iowa State that you know, helped me get connected with kind of the, the world of academia. And now I get to tell those same types of stories. The outlet's just a little bit different. Um, some mm -hmm. of the pieces are in the conversation, which is just a fantastic outlet that takes you know, academic studies and, and helps them get out to a broader audience. And I work on the, the academic journal side of telling stories with statistics and data to really understand what this process is like and, and how we can help entrepreneurs, practitioners, and other academics understand this phenomena. Nice, nice. You know, one of one of our taglines, or our, our main tagline, is you are not alone, right? So it's it's great that you're doing this and, and, and being there with them right at the start, like talking to people that are going to and planning to start a business, because it is a lonely place. You know, it's and, and it's sometimes uh, it feels like you've got to take on everything on your own. So it's, it's great that you're preparing them with the education that they need to, to get out there and uh, do this. So uh, just, just a way of thanking you for that because <laughs> it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's really not easy. Um, so uh, first of all, uh, Texas State, Austin, barbecue. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to get into that because I always chat about barbecue. Uh, but uh, bef before we do that, um, let's talk about a little about this article. What inspired the article of uh, uh, th that you put together on the conversation? So it started back while I was a journalist. Um, I would be one of the um, reporters that would go talk to the entrepreneurs that were getting ready to open up a shop on Main Street. And they would be so excited and they would tell me about, you know, what they were going to offer to the community. They would tell me about all the plans that they had set up for that kind of downtown area. And we would run the article. The business would be there for a year or two. And then I'd go through the same process again. And I'd tell the mm -hmm. same story about the same type of entrepreneur that was excited. And as a journalist at the time, I just kind of wondered, well, I don't know what happened to the last person. Uh, you know, I don't know if they went on to open another business. I don't know if they went back to work, if they just kind of disappeared or what happened in that experience. And so while I was working on my PhD, um, 
I had the opportunity to work with Miles Zachary at Auburn University. And I was a first year. I didn't really know what I was doing yet. And I came into his office and I said, I think I've got a really interesting question. You know, what happens to these entrepreneurs after they leave the business? And he kind of looked at me for a minute and then he said, I know that exact experience. My dad was an entrepreneur. We have lived through that, you know, when I was going through my childhood and he had to answer a lot of those really tough questions about what's next. And so that really sparked the start of the, the whole research experiment and, and research article. Um, we brought on Jack Walker, who was also at Auburn. Um, he's more of an HR specialist. And so he really helped us understand that recruiting aspect of the story um, for investigating if entrepreneurs are going to try to go back to the traditional workforce, what does that process look like for them? And what are some of the challenges that might come up? Mm -hmm. Right. But, I think that's so interesting because for Russ and I, we have totally different paths, right? I've started five different companies for myself. So I'm kind of one of those serial entrepreneurs where when I leave one, you know, whether I sell it off or what have you, I move to another one. I start another one where Russ has kind of told the story where he decided to leave being a business owner and he wanted to go work for a company. You know, I'm just curious from your research, do you have some statistics on the different directions that people go? Do most people start another business or do most people go and work for somebody? So that's one of the areas that's really underdeveloped. And after, you know, this paper was published, that's some of the areas we're starting to explore now about, you know, what are the different types of you know, exit intentions, what are the routes that entrepreneurs go through? Um, the serial entrepreneur is definitely one route of, you know, once one business is done, they're on to the next. You know, it might have been from a sale and they're using that, you know, sale and hopefully some profit from it to launch the next venture or idea um, or something didn't work out. They learned a lot from it. And so they're able to take that experience and that new knowledge and hopefully that next venture will be, you know, one that's successful for them. Um, but for a lot of others like you, Russ, you know, where there's a life event that changes, you move, maybe there's a, a family, you know, involvement or, you know, the entrepreneur side just wasn't the best fit. Now it's going to be a transition to another career. And so, um, you know, both of them are very valid um, exit strategies. They can be used to, you know, help launch the next part of your career, whether that's entrepreneurship or otherwise, but the actual understanding or the, the research behind it is still being developed. Yeah. You know, um, for my experience and, and you, you mentioned like the, you know, uh, in the article, like landing an interview, right? Like, um, I feel like I had, I probably, and I felt lucky, um, the way that that it all worked out for me so I'll, I'll get i'll dig in a little more on on that story but i um i made the decision so i was i was at a and i think i've i've probably told greg this story at, at some point along the lines here or maybe i've even told it on a podcast but we were at this little train town thing in in sonoma here in the uh california and um <laughs> i'm sitting there on this train and it's Sorry, Sonoma train town, but it's kind of lame. I mean, it's it's really built for kids. It's little kids. It's like really small little ones. If you have little ones, it's cool. They, they're going to love it. But for the adults, there's not really much to look at. You're sitting on a train that's just going around a big circle and they have like, you know, kind of fake painted dinosaurs and whatnot. Right. And I, I'm I'm there and I'm, I've got my um, my my Blackberry at the time. So this will date the story a little bit. And I'm scrolling through dealing with a problem that is happening at my business that I've got to deal with. Like I felt like 
Like I got to deal with this right now. And so I was there, but I wasn't really there. And my daughter was like tugging on my shirt saying, look at the dinosaur. It's like the one we have at home or something, you know, like this little dinosaur that we have got them for Christmas, which was like the greatest gift. It was hilarious. They played for that thing, those things for years, but um, she, she was all excited about it. And I just realized I'm like, I looked at her and I looked at the joy in her face and I was just like, you know what? I'm here, but I'm not here. And I can't do this anymore. And so literally like on the ride home, I start talking with my wife about selling the business potentially. Um, I talked to one of the people that I had hired, the first person I hired actually at my company about it. And he's like, well, I'll take it. <laughs> you know? I'm like, well, interesting. So I already have an offer for this business essentially, or somebody that's interested. So within about like, I don't know, 48 hours, 72 hours, I'm already like working on potentially like pricing out the company, trying to figure out like what, you know, I'm going to sell it for and how it's going to work out. And then I'm like, well, wait, I need another plan. I need something to do. Like, what am I going to go do? And, um, I, I happened to have jury duty that week. So it was a Tuesday morning that I had to go to jury duty and Monday night I'm looking at, you know, the, whatever Craigslist or whatever, looking for a position. And I see this position, uh, working with Greg's company, I'm like, well, this, this sounds really good. It seems like it matches everything that I, that I like to do. And I don't have to do the other stuff that I don't like to do. Like the, I was mentioning the finance and billing and all that craziness and sales. I didn't really, I wasn't, you know, I like doing sales, but I don't like, I don't want to dedicate my life to that. I like doing the marketing more and facilitating the sales, but, um, I applied that Tuesday morning uh, while I was sitting there at jury duty. I got my laptop and I send the resume that afternoon. I got a phone call for an interview by that Thursday I'm interviewing. And then within a couple of weeks, I've, I've got this job and I actually transitioned so that my wife was running the business for like six months or so while we were negotiating the sale and getting everything moving and all that stuff. But it worked out really smooth. Um, I guess mostly because of Greg, but it worked out really smooth uh, to, to make that transition happen. Um, but I felt really lucky. I felt like, okay, either this was meant to be and it just, I lucked out and, you know, whatever, everything aligned perfectly and it was good. But I don't think everybody's like that. I don't think that's, that's the regular story because first of all, I remember struggling with the resume. Like, I put that together and I'm like, nobody's ever going to call me because of this. Like, this isn't going to work out. Like, that's not great. So I had, there was a lot of self-doubt in there. There was a lot of like, you know, the, as I'm putting things in there, um, you know, now it's classified as I think back then it wasn't, but now it's like the whole imposter syndrome thing of like, I'm putting these things in this resume. Do I actually know how to do this? You know, and, and like, you know, kind of freaking out about it. And it was that part, like the resume writing was particularly tough. So let's first, and I kind of want to stage through this because I also want to talk about the interview process and, and some of those other things, but let's talk about this, this, the, the prepping the resume, because that's not easy. Yeah. There's chat GPT now, but you know, <laughs> it's not going to produce the greatest things, but how do you, how do you work on a resume when you're listed as for the last, I mean, for me, it was 10 years of, I'm the boss. You can't call anybody else. Well, you can call, I guess, some of the staff members, but you know, they're still employed by me. So are, they're just going to say great things. I, I, I would assume, but you know, like, how do you do that? How do you put together that resume when, when you've got this big tenure block of, of being your own boss? 
It's such a good question, Russ, because yeah, that's, it all starts with the resume and that, you know, first part of the application process. If you don't get past that first hurdle, you have no chance of getting the job. And so the first issue is, you know, what do you call yourself? Are you a founder, a CEO, a president? And with those types of job titles, they're very true. You ran the business, you did all of the things, but you may be applying for a more, you know, generic management position. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I loved about the research project was that we got to talk to both sides. We talked to a few entrepreneurs who had successfully gone through the process of going back to work. And we got to talk to recruiters about their apprehensions. And one of the entrepreneurs that we talked to said he was in the middle of an interview and um, you know the person he was talking to said it looks like you could be my boss and i'm really not looking for that right now mm-hmm. and so yeah trying what you're going to describe on that resume is really important yeah. um, so, oh go ahead yeah like i i went through um and i actually added a title of because i was going i wanted to do you know more on the marketing side so i actually put in a, a separate title and mentioned marketing and, and drove it towards marketing. So that, that was one of the ways that I felt like I, I helped to combat the, what do I put as the title? Like, yes. Yeah. Sure. I think yeah. that's really important because as the person that was looking at the resume, now that Russ is telling me he's questioning whether he really did or not kind of concerned me, but uh, <laughs> thank goodness he actually performed and it worked out fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when I look at resumes and, you know, people that, or CEOs and founders, and they ran their own company. What I notice is that some of them do not customize their resume to the position that they're applying for, like Russ did. Mm-hmm. Like Russ was very smart. A lot of you know entrepreneurs that put the resume in front of me, they'll just blah put everything out there, right? I did this, I did this, I cleaned the dishes, I you know washed you know did the bathrooms, and I ran the company, right? Well, I don't want that. Like the guy that, you know, like you can, you can run my company. I don't want that. I want somebody for the role that I'm hiring for. And if you did that and you're good at it, emphasize that. Now that doesn't mean for the next uh, business that you're going to apply for, you don't change your resume to emphasize what they're looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. But be smart about the resume. Don't just be generic about it. Absolutely. It's the first impression that you get to make. Um, and the unfair part is that it's a piece of paper or an electronically yeah. submitted piece of paper. So it has to speak for you by the words that you put on it. So yeah, personalizing it to be a marketing specialist, you did way more than that as an entrepreneur, but they're hiring you for a specific role. And so those bullet points need to emphasize all of the things that you excel at for marketing. Like you said, taking out the trash, a great story. You know, it's a little bit of a a humble beginning of an entrepreneur that they're willing to do anything, but probably not as essential in a marketing specialist role. Um, And same thing with running a company, doing the finances, all great skill sets that an entrepreneur can have, but it doesn't quite translate to the position that you're applying for. So yeah, customizing it was one of the keys to success for entrepreneurs getting past that resume screening phase into getting an interview offer. Mm-hmm. So that's that was the next uh, phase, the the interview side. I felt like, um, as an entrepreneur, I felt like in doing like the sales side of things and selling my business, I was really comfortable meeting with a stranger at a random place, you know, or walking into an unfamiliar area and like getting in there, making myself feel comfortable, making myself be as presentable as I could, but I was talking about my company 
I wasn't talking about me, you know? So like I had to make that transition in the interview. And I would say that part sort of stressed me out as well of like, okay, now how do I sell me? How do I change my, my, like, how do I apply my skills? I guess that, that I, that I learned in selling the business to now selling me without going overboard. So how, how do you, once you've landed that interview and you actually get there, like what, what should the entrepreneur be doing and, and how do they, uh, how do they best perform at that? No, that's a great question. And um, Greg, we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record earlier, but it's really important to remember your audience. All right. If it's that first initial interview and you're talking to a recruiting specialist, a hiring manager, they're thinking about all the costs that go into the hiring experience, the time that it takes, and they want to make sure that you can do what's on the job description. And so tailoring it to you as an individual and what you can do for the organization is incredibly important for that conversation. Now, if you are talking to, you know, maybe somebody that's uh, a manager or you know, going to be your direct report, you might be able to bring in a little bit more of the entrepreneurial experience and start saying about some of the things you did that were innovative, creative, you know, the things that organizations really like and they, you know, say they want to explore, but they're not necessarily on the job description. And so those stories about the entrepreneurship side are more well suited for, you know, the person you'll be reporting to or maybe some executives. Well, if it's the hiring manager side, make sure it's that job description story. I, I can do the job that you need me for. Yeah, one of the things that I think is a good interview technique, you know, when you're the you know person being interviewed, ask a couple of questions up front early to kind of understand, you know, what your audience is looking for. Mm, nice. Right. Because you could be talking to somebody that really appreciates your entrepreneurial experience, or you could be talking to somebody who's like, I just want to know if you can market, right? I just want to know if you know your stuff when it comes to marketing or finance, whatever the position is that you're, you're going for. But if you could ask a couple of questions just to kind of determine, okay, what am I dealing with here? And then you know how to interview from that point forward and put your best foot forward. I think that's always something that a lot of people don't think about. Definitely. And and you control that narrative too. Um, that is something you can practice before the interview about talking about your story, about, you know, which aspects of the job that were most important to your startup or your business that you can then translate over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If, okay. you, if you had two people applying yeah. for a position, yeah. exact same everything, like every, like this is impossible, but exact level playing field with the one exception that the last person spent 10 years in that role and the other person spent 10 years as an entrepreneur uh, or an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have, do you have a lean towards one of those sides? Yeah. I lean towards the entrepreneur and, and, you know, it's, I don't know why, but like, because I have that entrepreneurial spirit, I really respect that other people had it. And they went through the, the ups and the downs, the ups and flows of trying to run a business. They understand that. And with, you know, with my company, we're dealing with business owners. Our clients are business owners. So I appreciate that and my staff understanding how to deal with it because that's who our clients are. So they're going to have a better relationship with our clients. 
So for me specifically, since you put me on the spot, I always <laughs> look for. <laughs> yeah. I I will always lean, not even just a lean. I will heavily weight the entrepreneurial experience versus somebody that has just done a specific role. So that leads me to. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, Jake. Were you gonna? Well, I was just going to say, Greg, research supports that. Um, there, one of the things with this project, there's been several other studies that have come out recently that have found very similar results to what we have and have found other things that entrepreneurs can do or use to you know, hopefully mm -hmm. get back into the traditional workforce. And one of those things is that if the recruiter or the person that's hiring them has entrepreneurial experience, they get it. They get those stories. They can relate. And so yeah. kind of that social identity component, you know, really starts to lean in favor of the entrepreneur. Now you can't always predict that they're going to get lucky and have somebody like you across the table from them. So, you know, you have to, like you said, maybe answer or ask some of those probing questions to see yeah. how are they going to take that um, entrepreneurial experience. But that does help if they understand it. Um, if it's somebody that's never run their own business, they've only worked in the corporate world, maybe just their personal level of risk-taking is, is relatively low all of that's going to seem really foreign to them and something that's just not going to just be translated as easily. You know, um, so I'm going to, uh, cause I, I'm feeling like we've got two different audiences here too, that, that would be listening to the show. We've got somebody that's an entrepreneur that is thinking about entering the workforce and just, you know, selling the biz or whatever. Um, and then we've got the audience of, people that are in that position as an entrepreneur looking to hire people. So I, I, I guess, I mean, the, the, the way that we just took this and looking at your research, it's a good idea to hire an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's a good idea to bring some others on. I, I wonder though, is there a little bit of, um, and, and I'm going to flip this the other way. I'm just warning you, we're going to go two with two different ways with this question here, but is it where if, do you think there needs to be a concern that let's say I've got a smallish business, I've got, you know, whatever, five or six people working for me, and I'm going to bring on this person that's been running their own business. And I bring them into a higher position. Am I now like, are we going to be button heads? You think, or is there going to be problems there? Because now we've got two entrepreneurs that are used to like getting their way and doing things their way. And like, do you think that's going to create problems in the company? There's definitely the potential. So in our research, we found there were kind of three key factors that really stood out that created this apprehension towards, you know, the entrepreneur being hired. The first was really focusing in on, are they going to leave? Right. So if you're that small entrepreneur, you bring in another entrepreneur or your organization, are they going to take off in six months and start their own business again? All right. Then you have to go through the whole recruiting process again. It's expensive and you're, honestly, probably just a little bit jaded from the experience because you took a right. chance on somebody. Um, if they end up leaving the organization, they could also take resources. They could take potential clients. They might even poach a couple of employees to come over and work on their startup. And so that's one of the, the concerns that was raised is, are you actually going to stick around? Um, mm -hmm. The second point was, are they going to be comfortable not being their own boss anymore? You know, like you mentioned, Russ, you've made the decision for 10 years. You get to pick every aspect of the organization you want to customize, update, focus on. And now you have to go to your boss and say, is this okay if I do this? Um, there might be some bureaucratic red tape that you have to get through. You can't just get the project done. You have to maybe wait for the organizational system to catch up. 
And that right. can be really frustrating and it can be, you know, something that they start to worry about of, all right, if they can't start doing their job the way that they want, are they going to stick around? Um, team aspects are also an incredibly important part of the modern work environment. And if you've been a solo entrepreneur, it's hard to all of a sudden try to fit into a team environment and make sure you're understanding and listening to all the voices that are included in that. Yeah. And then the, you know what? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jake. Oh, I was just going to say the third, the third point that we really found, and we kind of mentioned it already is how do you validate their skill set? All right. If they've done yeah. everything, if they've been working on all these aspects of the business, are they really good at the marketing component or was it just something that they had to do? And so calling those references, you know, having those exact case examples can be a little bit more challenging for them to, to fine tune or make it fit the job description. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, you know, to your first point on whether the concern of whether an entrepreneur is going to jump and go to start something else in six months. I think from uh, an owner's point of view, who's conducting the interview, you want to understand why they closed their other business, why they left their other business. In Russ's case, he wanted to spend more time with his family. So we didn't want to have all the headaches, you know, of running a business and being away on weekends. And you liked having a Monday through Friday position. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, lent itself to me feeling, yeah, he wants something that is not, he's not going to jump, right? He's not going to move on. Versus if I was interviewing an entrepreneur and says, yeah, my company, you know, just didn't work out for these reasons, but, you know, I have these other ideas. If, if I kind of hear the little red flags in the interview process, okay, this guy might jump, right? right. Or this woman may leave, you know, and like you said, poach some of the employees, that would be awful. No, but that's I don't a very think, important part. To yeah, emphasize. but I don't think from a business point of view, you should, you, or business owner point of view, you should be uh, insecure to feel like, oh, if I hire somebody that's better than me, then they're going to take over the company or they're going to start something new and take all my employees. You got to feel good about who yourself and feel confident that, you know, you're doing well for your staff, your team members, for your, for your business, that, um, you know, just adding somebody good is a benefit not a concern. Mm -hmm. That's such an important part of my job now. It's, I, you know, have worked really hard to, you know, finish my PhD in management, um, but I am very frequently not the smartest guy in the room. Um, I'm very frequently, when I talk to entrepreneurs, they know way more about the process than I ever could from the academic research side. And so it's incredibly important for me to make sure that I am surrounded by people that are very good at what they do and are experts in those areas. Because yeah, it, I would just, miss out on so many opportunities if I let that maybe like imposter syndrome side or self-doubt creep in and mm -hmm. only work on projects where, you know, I'm the only expert that gets involved. Yeah. Well, and you know, that, that's the other great point here is like, what's interesting about bringing in an entrepreneur is sometimes like we, we talked about that you are not alone thing, right? Like when you bring somebody in, that's an entrepreneur, like they also have felt some of those same things. So there's like a nice little, I don't know, just like, like Greg and I, I don't know, over the years, we've sorted out so many things over a burrito and it's <laughs> stuff that he's bringing up that I get that, you know, like I, I've, well, I did that too. I, I've been through that situation. So it's like that, that bit of like, just, you know, you've, you've been there, you've seen it, you've felt it. And like, I know Greg sort of, you know, touched on this earlier, but it's like, 
on the emotional side, like it's just a great like support person too. Like, you know, mm -hmm. aside from them, just, you knowing that they've gone through and they've, Oh, well, you know, they've, they've had this marketing issue before, or they've, they've solved this before at their business, but it's also like just having that support uh, there to, to have somebody that, you know, that has also gone through this is, is kind of a, a cool thing um, when, when you're hiring these folks. Absolutely. And the central motivation for the paper was that if you're considering your applicant pool, you want it to be the best applicant pool possible. And so mm -hmm. if you're automatically screening out entrepreneurs, you're missing out on those experiences. You're missing out on that, you know, potential knowledge of, you know, the good and the bad times. And, and we wanted to make sure that recruiters were aware that that might be happening, even if it's unintentional. And we wanted to find ways to help entrepreneurs understand how to navigate those waters. Yeah. I'm just curious, both of your opinions on this, you know, when an entrepreneur decides that they want to leave entrepreneurship and go work for another company, like how do I, I, I would assume that it's got to be a mindset change that I'm no longer going to be my own boss. I have to kind of shift things within the way I deal with myself. Um, what do you guys find on that? I mean, you both, you know, studied this and, and Russ had to live through it. I mean, tell me what, <laughs> was well, it a I'll mindset let, change? I'll let Jake uh, uh, okay. op open first here with the research. Cause I, I, I have, I have a feeling, uh, it, mine will probably match the research. I, I would assume, but let's, <laughs> let's hear that first. I think it might. Um, so a lot of times it's, yes, it's going to be a mindset change and it comes from some type of triggering event. So you have more family responsibilities. You want to go to the T-ball games and the soccer games. And when you're an entrepreneur, you're on call 24-7. Um, you do kind of get to pick your own schedule, but if the business needs something, you're yeah. intimately attached to it. Yeah. You have to be there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, family or moving can be one of those triggering events where maybe the business just can't go with you. And so you're now trying to refine or retune that identity into a more traditional well, career path. Let, let me change the question a little bit. What happens if the, the business got closed because it wasn't successful. Yes. No. And that's another great um, point. Yeah. So you can voluntarily leave or sometimes it's involuntary. The business just yeah. unfortunately doesn't work out. Um, what we found in the study was that that was actually the worst case scenario for entrepreneurs trying to go back to the traditional workforce because they are so intimately connected when the business fails financially, the recruiters left kind of wondering, well, what did you do wrong? All right. They don't necessarily consider the economic factors. They don't know your competitors and what they've done. And so that is a really hard kind of uphill battle for entrepreneurs to have to navigate um, ways to get around it. As far as, you know, what we found worked the best, um, the shorter that you were in that entrepreneurial role. So if it's only two or three years, um, that gap on the resume is just a little bit smaller. And so you can kind of explain, I tried it. It didn't work. Try that entrepreneurial itch and it's not for me. And so then you can say like, I'm fully dedicated to going back. Um, if it's been 10 years, 20 years, that's where the other stories are really going to come into play. I need a more consistent schedule. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I exited it and it was successful, um, you know, and I, I don't have any plans on going back. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, for, okay. So in, in uh, my experience there, at first it was really weird. Like I remember, like I remember almost, I guess you could describe it almost as like going through withdrawals, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. of like, yeah. I, I don't have to get up at 7am and check my email. I don't have to like check my email at 10pm. 
And it took a long time before I really stopped doing that. Like before, like, I think my, my wife was saying, you know, you're not running the business. <laughs> you just work there. I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. I need to calm down. I need to pull back a little bit. I need to, but it took years. I mean, it took a long time and a lot of work. And I think, you know, one of the things that came out of me running my own business was there's a little bit of workaholic in, in me still um, that I well, tried to I was, back on. That's what I was going to say, Rush. Even when you were working with, with me, you were still working at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. I, I seen you and you were emailing me and you say, hey, I was just working on this. You still had it in you. you it, yeah. it didn't leave you. Well, I'm getting I'm getting Slack messages right now, so <laughs> it's like it's it's always happening. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's I I have tried to I have tried to pull back from that a bit, um, and you know, like one of the things that you know, like I'm working for a company called Beeswax now, um, and one of the things that's really interesting about the company is they pay by the hour. So the 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 owner of the company is really like specific about you know what you're gonna we're going to pay you what you put in. Like he doesn't want me working 50 hours, but if I do, he's going to pay me for the 50 hours, which is like such a different kind of thing. Um, and I just think it's really cool that, that that's like the, the mission, like the, the, the thing behind the company where it's like, well, we want to pay for what we, you know, like what, what you do, because there are a lot of companies out there that, you know, you, you get into the salaried position and it's like, Okay, you're working 90 hours, whether they're telling you to, or like Greg said, I, I was just doing because <laughs> of what I do. So that's another switch too. Like, I guess how, how does the how do you adjust from that from like being on all the time to now like, okay, I don't have to be on all the time. Like, do you have any like research on that 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 might help? No, I'm glad you mentioned it because yeah, we're working on that exact question right now. Um, we've got an oh, article yeah. that um, we're getting ready to submit. But it's on that idea of perceived workaholism. And mm. if you hear the word entrepreneur, do you automatically assume that they're going to be a workaholic? They're going to do you know whatever it takes. And that perception or that idea of, all right, they're going to behave that way in the workplace can be problematic, not necessarily for getting the job. But like you said, they're going to maybe expect you to be on at 10 p.m. They're going to expect right. you to be back on at 6 a.m. answering emails. And that uh, that perception of workaholism just isn't necessarily fair. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the study that we're looking at is on the investor side. And if investors, mm. you know, oh, hear about you taking time off or taking time away from the business, if they see that as a good thing, because we know it is for well-being, we know it is for you know making sure you don't burn out. But you're an entrepreneur; the business is you, so you should be doing all of the things all of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a very challenging thing to separate. And again, just like exit is hard to explain to recruiters, explaining and, and getting away from the kind of workaholic tendencies that entrepreneurs can fall into can be really challenging if the work environment makes it really easy to get back into that routine. All right. Well, once you're done with well, that, we're going to need to have you back on. Well, <laughs> well, let me just tell the world that pickleball tournaments is good for business. All right. Kind of like <laughs> really and pickleball or finding pickleball partners. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, you know, I'll bring this up. There's actually a couple of things that I that I like took note of here that I wanted to throw in to make sure that we, we that I actually said, because I think these are important. First of all, we've done other shows on DIY where we've got studies and we've got, you know, uh, like like actual facts, like data that you can look at 
that our guests have put together that walking away from your screen, walking away from your business is very good for you. It's good yes. for you. It's good for your business. It's good for your bottom line. It's hard, but it is something that, you know, you need to pay attention to. So throwing that out there, check out one of our past episodes. I don't know. I'll figure out which one that, or which I think we've done that like a couple of times. So I'll get some links to that in the, in the description, uh, the, the DIY show. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the other thing that um, uh, I wanted to, to make sure we talked about was you talked about in um, your your article about uh, COVID uh, and how during COVID, like everybody decided to be their own boss, like the number of new you know businesses, business applications like went up significantly. And I feel like that. OK, well, that was the, the COVID time. But because 30, 40, whatever it is, percent of businesses fail. Well, uh, within like three years or four years, I, I you're you're the data guy, not me. Uh, so you see these these failure rates, but we're coming up on that now. We're we're you know past three years past COVID, so a lot of those businesses are closing. So this is very applicable um, advice right now that you're you're giving, and it's great that you're putting this out there. But let's let's talk to those folks that that you know might have been in that that COVID period of starting a business, and now you know, they're, they're changing their minds and, and doing something different. What would you, what advice would you have for them? Like uh, the big takeaway advice for them? Yeah. So with the, the COVID entrepreneurs, there's really going to be two categories. The first one is going to be an opportunity. You know, they were at home, they had a chance to sit down and think and plan and identify a need within the market. And then they went and executed on it, right? They were maybe still employed at the time, but because, you know, we were quarantined and we had some more time to maybe just slow down for a few minutes um, those entrepreneurs are probably going to have a little bit of an easier time either transitioning back to the workforce because it's only been that two or three year window. Um, you know, they might have been able to exit more successfully because it was an opportunity, not a necessity. That other category is going to be those entrepreneurs that maybe their job was taken away because of COVID or they couldn't get into the office. And so entrepreneurship was one of the only routes they could pursue to provide for themselves or their family. And when everything kind of hinges on your business being successful, when we hit that two, three year window where you know, we see businesses failing, now all of a sudden that job search becomes a lot more stressful. Um, and so they start to apply more broadly. They start to you know, just try to take the first opportunity that is there. Um, and that can really hurt career advancement and growth. And so um, you know, as far as just take it away advice, being deliberate with your job search is incredibly important. Um, mm -hmm. Making sure that you tap into your network. Hopefully, as that entrepreneur, you're able to at least make some contacts or, or find somebody that's you know working in a space that you know they can relate to what you've been doing. And so those are going to be good spots to start that job search process if you decide that it's not for you anymore, if it's not working out financially, or um, if you're just ready to make a transition back now that we're kind of back to a more normal work life schedule. I guess yeah. it's the new normal, huh? Yeah, yeah. the new the new normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's that's great advice, Jake. I I, I do you know we we got to bring you back and and chat more uh, specifically the whole workaholic thing. Um, you know, I'll uh, I guess I'll be working on that, uh, preparing for that show. <laughs> Until then, I, I won't stop. Um, yeah. That sounds like a plan. I, then I'm still working on the research too. That's what I'm okay, doing right after this call. Perfect. So <laughs> that'll be fun though. That'll be a good conversation. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And and I mean, it's it's such a great topic. And I think it's really, like I said, really applicable to what's going on out there uh, in the world right now. So thank you so much for, for sharing the, the data and the research and uh, your story with us. 
Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And, and it's always fun to talk to people that have lived it or have been on the side of hiring entrepreneurs. So it, it makes the research feel like it has some relevance, which I always yeah. appreciate too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I guess uh, the big message here is send your resume over to Greg. Um, if <laughs> yeah, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to make a change, life change, yeah, send your resume. Exactly. Over. Greg's, yeah. Greg's the person. There you go. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, listening and subscribing to DIY for Business. Uh, reminder, you know, if, if we, we, we talked a little about visuals, like I tugged at my shirt, like that was a big one. I, I mentioned Jake's shirt. You can only see that stuff over on YouTube. So head over to YouTube, look for us there, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, hit the little alert button so you know when we're pushing out new episodes. We're doing that every other week and uh, we're having great fantastic guests uh, we've got so many people planned uh as, as far as the next couple of uh weeks here and and we're going like year round every other week like before i was like ah we took a little break here and there now nah, we're we're doing this all year round so make sure you do uh, hit the subscribe and the bell so you know when um uh, the new episodes are coming out and whatever podcast platform that you're listening on please do subscribe over there and reviews especially those five star ones greg really likes those makes him happy um every time he does that it, it's a it's a better pickleball shot. So uh, help him out uh, by giving us five star reviews wherever you are. Um, as with any podcast that gives medical or legal opinion, the information is not meant to substitute professional advice. And we encourage you to consult a professional to discuss your exact needs. If you've got something that you would like to learn a little bit more about, talk a little more about here with us, do so uh, on our website, diyforbusinesspodcast.com. Head over there. There's a form, fill it out. Uh, if you're a business owner, we'd love to talk to you or if you've got some a real particular need that you'd like to talk about. Fill that form out. We'll make a whole show about it. It's a lot of fun doing that. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, Greg, you're not alone. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's DIY for business where you are not alone. <laughs>